For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Okay? I am. <laughs> all right. All right, everybody, this is In Liberty and Health, episode number 113. I have Adam McDaniel here with me today, um, business owner and fellow libertarian, much like myself, and I'm looking forward to uh, having a conversation today. Adam, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, Kyle. How are you today? I'm excellent. Uh, you know, kind of a little bit of a dig today to uh, get out of work and, you know, do everything I got to do. Wasn't quite feeling up to the uh, deadlifts today, but, uh, you know, sometimes you just got to put uh, put your nose to the grindstone. You know what? A, a bad workout's always better than no workout. Yeah. Yeah. My back was feeling kind of iffy after the last one. So uh, today I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to do any 400 uh, pound deadlifts. And then I ended up uh, kind of hitting them anyways. So, you know, sometimes you just got to, like I said, put the nose to the grindstone and just kick some dirt. <laughs> you're out here. You're out here flexing your deadlift weight right at the start. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think everybody could see on Twitter and Facebook. I, I try to flash that as much as possible just because I got to let everybody know, you know, who the fuck the boss is around here. <laughs> yep. Yep. I like doing my powerlifting in the winter, you know, out here in Colorado, my garage gets down to like 10 degrees and turn on the, the propane heater and do some deadlifts to metal. And that's the way to start off your morning. It makes sure you do some like heavy, uh, what the hell is it? Wim Hof breathing with the propane. Heater yep. Yep. <laughs> Um, so anyways, uh, I, I guess, uh, since we're already kind of diving in a little bit, uh, give an introduction of who you are, what you do, uh, where you're from and, uh, yeah, pretty much just a little introduction for yourself. For sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll be quick high level here. So, um, I am in the libertarian party. I just joined, uh, in the last year with this takeover and, and all of us coming into the Mises caucus. I'm, I'm in Colorado and went to Reno as part of the takeover and, and that was quite exciting. Um, in my day job, I worked in corporate learning and development. So employee training performance. Um, I actually switched jobs late last year, which we can get into that later, but that was over the mandate. Um, and then I also run my own business where I work with small business owners to help them improve their training programs, whether it be for employees or for external. So I'm, I'm quite busy um, doing all those things, trying to be involved in, in politics and, and what's going on here in Colorado in the world. And also, you know, my day job, my side job, and trying to give my wife some time and take care of my family too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I totally feel you. Um, I'll be getting married here in about four months, which uh, I kept saying like six months, six months. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, four months and then it's going to be two months. And then it's like, oh shit, we're like flying out of Florida. Um, 
Yeah, I, I totally feel you. I just, I stay so freaking busy and it sounds like you kind of are up to your neck and stuff as well. So um, I, I guess let's start with uh, the first things first. This is a uh, another, just another libertarian podcast. Um, <laughs> what kind of brought you into the libertarian sphere? Yeah, so I actually was one of the folks, just like you always hear Dave Smith talk about where it was the Ron Paul revolution back in 2007 and eight. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was at that time living in New Mexico and I think it's the same moment he always talks about is that Giuliani moment that kind of mm-hmm. made me kind of catch attention to it. And I was never involved in the Republican party, didn't go to the convention, but I was passing out flyers and, you know, doing all those things and voted for him in the primary and got really kind of disenfranchised with how that all played out. And for the longest time, I was one of the libertarians that just was not involved in politics. I read the books, listened to the podcasts, you know, paid attention to things. And I was more just apathetic towards politics in general, mm-hmm. either didn't vote or just kind of tuned out of it. And so that more or less continued up until COVID. And I think just seeing what happened to the world and seeing what happened to a lot of our lives, that forced me to kind of get off my ass and get a little bit more involved um, because I think what happened over the last two and a half years is not allowed to ever happen again. So last year I joined the Mises caucus, got involved in Colorado, went to the state convention, became a delegate, went to Reno, you know, and helped with, with that whole thing. Cause I think this is a very important movement. It, it, it makes sense that we have a unified voice that's, that's pushing these, these things that are, they're so important in our world with all this authoritarianism that's happening everywhere and worse in other countries than even it happened here. You know, I think we have to all do our part to try to prevent that from ever happening again. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think that kind of thrusts a lot of people into uh, that position when you are literally told that you can't leave your home. Um, So I guess in 2020, um, let's flash back to March. Uh, I was flipping through pictures on my phone a couple weeks ago, and I saw a picture of, um, do you know what Fago de Chao is? Mm Mm-hmm. So my fiance and I were at Fago de Chao and we knew like COVID was a thing, but we really weren't worried about it. And honestly, from the beginning, I wasn't worried about it. But um, so Fago de Chao is down in Pittsburgh. So that's about like 45 minutes to an hour away from me. Mm-hmm. And I have a picture of the card flipped up green and it's dated March 14th of 2020. And I'll never forget that. And it's, it's so weird to, kind of think about this but um i remember getting a text we were eating and it said pittsburgh is now declared a state of emergency and i remember looking around and thinking huh well everything looks still pretty normal to me everybody seems fine and little did we know our lives would be changed forever literally from the like next week i would get laid off my fiance got a note that said if you are caught driving to work you show this note to the police so they know you're going to work because you work for Phillips Respironics and uh, you build ventilators. Now, this she no mm-hmm. longer works for them. But, I mean, just to think about how dystopian it was where we were literally eating in a restaurant and then a week later being told that you have to have a note. You have to show your paper to the police. So, sort of going a little bit of a long tangent there. But um, where were you in March of 2020 and what did your 2020 kind of look like? You know, that's funny that you tell that story. And, and it just made me think about that, you know, in 20 years, we're all going to look back on this. It's it's almost like the, those of us that can all remember where we were on 9-11 or mm-hmm. the generation before us that thinks of the moon landing or JFK assassination. Sure. I think we're all going to remember. It was literally Friday the 13th here in Colorado where stuff started shutting down. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
you know, it's funny at that time I was working a job where I traveled a lot and in February, 2020, I happened to be out in Europe in Romania, um, visiting a job site for the last two weeks of that month. And at that point, the U S was fairly, you know, nothing was really going on. They were talking about it a little bit. I think the NBA had shut their season down, but overall the U S was normal in February, 2020 in Europe, at least where I was in Romania, things were normal, but like Germany was shutting down. Italy was shutting down. And like, my boss was like freaking out. Like, do we need to pull you? And I, I just felt like this was another bird flu or, you know, another SARS or whatever. And I, yeah. I wasn't worried about it. I remember flying home and it was actually a leap day. So it was like February 29th. I was flying home and I, I had a layover in Germany and I saw these people in masks and it was just weird to me. Um, but I get home my birthday is on March 1st. I get home. My wife threw me this surprise birthday party. We had a ton of people. I might've brought COVID back from Europe for all I know. Maybe I was patient zero, but um, <laughs> you know, life was normal. I was just hanging yeah. out with my friends and I go into work. Everything's normal. And I remember Friday the 13th at that time I was working in downtown Denver in this high rise. Like it was kind of a startup environment. Mm -hmm. And when the announcement came down from like our leadership, everybody was freaking out. And I still didn't understand why everyone was freaking out. Like people are grabbing their computer monitors. We got to go work from home. And I grabbed my computer monitors and calmly went home, but you know, working in a white color environment, it was actually kind of nice in a way. Like I don't like the lockdowns or anything, but I got to work from home. Um, I had just gotten a puppy a few months before that. And she's a golden retriever, very attached. So I got to like be home with her all the time as as she's raising. So that aspect of like the work portion, it wasn't bad. It was actually kind of nice. Um, and I'm kind of a homebody sometimes anyway. So my wife and I just stayed home, read books, you know, listen to music, probably drank more alcohol than 2019, but you know, it is what it is. Right. Um, but it was more like, as we started getting into April and May of 2020, and I started seeing like the business shutdowns and I started seeing like crazy stuff happening in other States, like Colorado wasn't too bad. And I know some People from here might disagree with me on this, but you look at like California, New York, some of these other states, I saw the people getting arrested on beaches and, you know, sand going into skate parks. And it, it started really bothering me from that perspective. And then the data started coming out about different risk levels to different people. Right. And so that that's kind of what got me going down the rabbit hole is just seeing how authoritarian it was and how much it didn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt something very, very similar. And uh, the people in my band are along the same, I don't want to say they're the same political beliefs as me, but um, they mostly kind of line up along where I do. They're very freedom oriented, especially my bass player. And he's very, very outspoken, perhaps more outspoken than me. And uh, I mean, he was going to protests left and right, but it was the same deal for me. And it's kind of funny because and this is where I got really disillusioned with the Republicans. And I didn't like Republicans before, but like 2016, I was like, okay, well, Trump got elected and everybody seems to like Trump, especially like the people that I kind of listen to more libertarian leaning people seem to like him. So, okay, maybe I should give him a chance. And then about two years in, um, I remember Tommy Sotomayor making a video um, saying that he didn't like the Trump had banned bump stocks. And I started looking at that. I'm like, okay, well, I don't like that either. And then I started looking at the spending. I'm like, okay, well, I don't like this either. And then 2020 happened. And I realized that the base, the GOP base wasn't far off from the left because look, I'm a blue collar guy, right? I mean, my hands are calloused as the day is long from working on cars all day, every day. 
And all the guys that I work with were completely like freaked the fuck out about COVID. Like they were terrified. And then months and months later, they were, you know, crying for lockdowns and, oh, they should just shut this place down. And, oh, don't come to work if you're sick. Oh, put your mask on. I'm like, man, these are the people that are supposed to be fighting for freedom. Mm -hmm. This is bad. So not to get blackpilled as much as I hate the pill terminology. Um, it was depressing because I realized like we can't depend on these people in time of need. And Donald Trump definitely wasn't the person to depend on either. Cause he's still out there promoting the vaccine. Um, I, I tweeted out today saying that uh, people who uh, think that if we would have just reelected Donald Trump, um, that everything would be okay. They have Stockholm syndrome on another level. So, you know, suffice it to say, um, I really got this illusion with the Republican party after the lockdowns and a lot of people say, Oh, well, Trump was good on this and that, but I don't know. I just think if people are still looking to Trump for anything. I, the GOP is done for, if this is who they want to put forth as their front runner in 2024. So that's really what kind of turned me into the libertarian party. Yeah. I hear that. Um, you know, I, I've, I'm 40 years old, so I've had a lot of elections that I've gone through, and yeah. I've never in my life voted for a major Democrat or a Republican. I wrote Ron Paul in in 2008 and 12 because mm -hmm. I didn't like my options. Yeah, um, I've never liked them. I used to think both parties are equally bad, and, and on mm -hmm. some things I think they are, Yeah, but I do feel like I'm not a fan of the Republicans, but the Democrats have gotten really worse in the last 10 years. Yeah. So the, the things that I used to think they were better on, like- foreign policy and kind of being skeptical of corporations and skeptical of big pharma. They're not, they don't have those features anymore. And then yeah. they add all the divisive Marxist BS that they do nowadays. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I feel like they hate me. I mean, it's a straight white male. I feel like that party hates me. And why, why would I want to support a party that's, you know, my enemy, or at least I'm their enemy. Um, but also like Republicans, I, you know, you might find some good ones on the local level, or, you yeah. know, like DeSantis obviously did well on COVID, right. but overall the party, I, I can't say that I support it. Yeah. Yeah. And I've kind of come to the same conclusion as well. Um, and not that I'm married to any one political strategy. I look at the LP and the cultural phenomena that's kind of going on there. And a lot of the people that are kind of gravitating towards that. And I see that, okay, well, now we can open up a whole new conversation with this political party. And do I think it's going to ever achieve some major political power? Likely not. Now, could I be proven wrong? Sure. But um, when you look at certain people in the Republican Party, like you said, DeSantis, although there are plenty of things I don't like about him, uh, you know, we got to kind of call the spade a spade and speak to what's objectively good in reality, right? Mm -hmm. We have to stop living in, in Capistan in our heads. We have to realize that reality is, is that the people of Florida were much more free than the people of Pennsylvania and the people of New York and the people of California and the people of everywhere who experienced severe lockdowns. So um, what I wish I could see for people who are kind of in our camp is saying we put liberty first, right? So if there's a good liberty-minded Republican, um, I've had a friend on the podcast, Brandon Harnish, um, he goes by, in, uh, I think, uh, Paleo GOP on Twitter or something like that, um, Harnish for City Council. Great guy, right? He was kind of a Libertarian Party guy, and then he started running as a Republican, and he's put through a bunch of tax bills in Indiana, and he's done very, very well for himself in, you know, local Indiana. He's running unopposed now. Um, 
I, I want to ask him like, okay, well, why could you run as a libertarian? But it, it doesn't matter. I support him anyways. I donate to his campaign, even though he's yeah. like four or five states away from me. Um, it's very important that we have people who are focused on liberty. So when we just tell people, oh, just vote libertarian, well, are you creating liberty by doing that? That should be the question when it comes to how you're voting is, are you voting for your goals or are you just voting because you hate the other people um i really think that we should enthusiastically vote for people and it's okay to not vote but if you're going to participate politically then the objective should always be to create more liberty roll back the state or do whatever you can to increase individual freedom yeah absolutely i I, I know that there's different camps, right? There's right. the Mises Caucus camp that wants to take over the libertarian or has taken over the libertarian yeah. party. There is the liberty-minded folks that want to move into the Republican party. Mm -hmm. and, and there might be other strategies, but there's those two main ones. And you know what? I, I think there's room for both. Yes. Um, even even like the, what do they call it? The post-libertarian movement, the Mark Clares yeah. and Jason Stapletons of the world. I think they have valid points too. We do need Absolutely. to get our lives in order. We do need to, that's why I have a side business is I'm trying to free myself from corporate work. I'm trying to make more money and secure the future for my family. And so I think all these strategies are good. And, you know, going back to that liberty minded people in the Republican party, you have to kind of look at your area and see what's, what's best for you. I, I do think the Mises caucus strategy is good. Um, but if, I know there's different views on this, but I really don't think we should challenge like a DeSantis only in the fact that we're not going to have a chance in hell of winning. Yeah. And the Democrat that's running against him is going to be far worse. Yeah. Or if you're in a like area, I don't remember what state you said your friend was in, but if you're in an area where the LPA stands on chance and you're going to go into the Republican party, then do that. You know, yeah. Rand Paul's pretty decent. Thomas Massey's pretty decent. There's nothing wrong with that. If you think that's the better strategy. Yeah, yeah. And that is the thing that's kind of missing about some people who are just dogmatically libertarian is that, like I've been saying, like, well, we've been saying is that the objective should always be more individual freedom. And however you create that is something that we should all support. And this is something that I would have hoped a lot more people would have realized after 2020 is that like, hey, we can't just sit here and talk about theory anymore, right? This can't be the come on the cracker of uh, of theory anymore, right? We have to move on from this because nobody cares. Um, we've been trying to sell liberty to people for a very, very long time, and it hasn't worked. So we need to kind of recalibrate, reload, and adjust to the facts on the ground and move forward in a way that's productive for what everyone wants to see in the world. Um, now, however people manifest at their locales is however they're going to do that. Um, mm -hmm. and, and this is why I don't give prescriptions when it comes to this. And it's the same deal with fitness stuff. I don't give prescriptions um, because I don't know your area, right? I don't know Indiana. I know Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. I know in Pennsylvania we did pretty well. And there are some things that kind of make me think twice, but I know that there's been some success with the Libertarian Party here in Pennsylvania. Um, Florida, there seems to be a lot of success in the Republican Party. So maybe you should reassess your Libertarian Party uh, membership if you're in Florida. Once again, not giving anybody prescriptions, but just kind of consider the facts on the ground and think of where you could have the most impact, kind of work from there. I think that's a reasonable take and a take that not all people in the LP are willing to consider. Yeah, I get that. Um, well, and going to like 
talking about what your expertise is, I can speak to Colorado and, you know, here in Colorado, the Mises caucus did a really good job. We, we took over the state party mm -hmm. and we didn't have drama. Like some of the other States did. We had a few of the old timers that might've had some nasty Facebook comments, but really no, no big drama. Yeah. And we have a lot of candidates that are running for local office. We have people running for sheriff, for city council, for house representatives, um, the state house, right? We yeah. also have the, the big offices that are, let's just say maybe harder to win, right? Your yeah. governor, your Senate, your congressman, and I'm going to support those guys. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and, and in the case of, of some of these folks, they're better than the Republican. Like you, you get right. one of these milk toast, middle of the road, terrible Republicans. And then you have the establishment Democrat that's, you know, in the, in the seat right now. Well, heck yeah, I'm going to support the, the libertarian. Right. Because the other two choices are terrible. Um, but then we also have these folk, these people all over our state running for small offices. And I think those are more winnable and we're building coalitions. Um, we have some people that are in more rural areas that are building coalitions with disaffected Republicans that have lost faith in their party because it's not lived up to their values. So I, I think you're right in saying that there's not one specific strategy, um, but I don't think we should ditch this strategy. Like uh, I don't mean any disrespect to someone like Mark Claire, sure. but I don't think we should completely ditch it. I do think we should also get our lives in order. That's a valid point. But I think we need to go for this. And then if you make sense in your area to go Republican, heck, if it makes sense in your area to go Democrat and maybe talk more about criminal justice reform and drug legalization and things like that, go that route. You know, whatever area, whatever makes the most sense in the area that you're in, like you said, the most important thing is advancing liberty. Yeah. And I think a lot of people kind of lose sight of that. And I think that's to their own detriment. So um, is there anything else you kind of want to handle with the LP stuff? Because I want to start uh, shifting towards some of the business stuff. Um, I just told my local Colorado folks, we have a really cool gear store. So lpcolorado.org. Um, it's different than the national stuff. So if you guys want some base gear, come check out our sweatshirts, t-shirts and cool shit. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah, for sure. Everybody go there. Um, so you've been kind of working in different businesses. And what I'm kind of curious about is, do you ever talk to these people about political stuff or do you kind of leave that to the side? That's the million dollar question. Um, so it depends. Um, I, I sure. used to work for a Fortune 20, I won't name the company, but a very large corporation. And it was always that thing back in the past where like, you don't talk about politics or religion at work. And that was just kind of this unspoken thing that unless that person was your work friend and you were on break, you really didn't even breach this stuff. But for whatever reason, the last like five to 10 years, that stuff's really creeped in. Um, yeah. The company I used to work for the CEO is one of those WEF guys. You can go on the World Ooh. Economic Forum and that guy's picture's on there. Whoa. And all the, um, what is it? The DEI training, all the just everyday and corporate communications, all that crap in there. So yeah. you can talk about politics if you have a certain political view. But if you don't have that political view, you better be careful. Yeah, it was kind of crazy for me. So um, I've worked for dealerships for quite a while and it's crazy that the uh, dealership um well, i shouldn't say the dealership but the manufacturer um all vehicle manufacturers have specific training for their specific vehicles and i'm pretty much 100 in every single area um it's kind of crazy when you have gender diversity training and kind of these social justice kind of stuff coming from the manufacturer at this point and I used to get it for my employer 
and the manufacturer. Now I just get it from the manufacturer, but it's kind of crazy to me. It's like, why don't you guys just like shut the fuck up and build cars and tell me how to fix cars. I don't need you to tell me not to sexually harass people. Okay. I, I think everybody gets that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, um, when I was at that company, the worst thing was, you know, I was fortunate that the role I was in, I kind of existed in this gray area that I didn't have to go to the training and be lectured to. Yeah. It was all, it was all just kind of in the online course catalog that I could go do. And I never did, but at, one day I decided to go look at it and what really, but I don't mind the generic fluff stuff, but there was one training that literally was called the problem with whiteness. And I think it was pulled from like Robin D'Angelo content. Whoa. And like, you know, if you're going to have groups for every race besides my race, that's one thing. If you're going to have groups for every gender and sex besides mine, that's one thing. I don't want to join your groups anyway, but if you're going to actually call me out in the training, now I feel discriminated against you know, I'm not going to go to HR with this, but it, it really disenfranchises you as an employee. Yeah. Well, it's the fact that you're literally singling out a group of people like, and uh, okay, whatever. We're the majority. Are there more rich white people? Probably, but there's just more poor white people. Like why? It's so silly to me. Like, I, I don't even think about this kind of stuff just because there's so many other people who kind of already hit on this and obviously i'm against all the woke stuff but like what do i say about other than it's just absolutely ridiculous to literally focus on the color of somebody's skin mm -hmm. you're literally promoting this anti-whiteness as a way to virtue signal that you're not racist but then by virtue signaling that you're not racist you're being racist because you're saying well screw white people like i i don't yeah. I, I can't square the circle well, if you, if you work for a large corporation, whether it's this stuff or any number of other issues, you learn to tune out the, the BS, right? Yeah. Um, I, I did for a period work for a startup that had primarily millennial and Gen Z type of audience. And that was worse. I mean, I, I had, wow. I had people who were, I mean, if people want to share their pronouns, that's fine. But there was almost this implicit like expectation that you would proactively share your pronouns. Mm -hmm. And, and I, it almost felt like I was one of the only people that didn't. And in 2020, in the summer, right after the George Floyd thing, we were on this meeting and, you know, here in Colorado, we're not incredibly diverse, you, the makeup of this state, but we had, we had this meeting and my friend, I'm not going to name him, but my friend on the team, he's like the only black guy on the team and everyone else on the team, like apologized to him about it. And I didn't, it just felt really uncomfortable because I'm yeah. like, he didn't get hurt. I didn't do this. And I was friends with this guy and, and he didn't, I talked to him later. He's like, yeah, that was super weird. But everyone felt this obligation yeah. to go like rake themselves over the coals because this thing happened. Yeah. Like it's like, they can't just act normal. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what to say about that because I highly doubt that if you go up to any person of color and apologize to them for George Floyd, it, it just seems so like demeaning, right? It almost seems mm -hmm. disrespectful because you're like implicitly telling it's the soft bigotry of low expectations, right? That's yep. pretty much what it is. You're literally saying, okay, well, because I'm above you, I'm going to speak down to you and apologize for your conditions. Mm -hmm. Like, why can't you just say, hey, this really sucks? Um, we should address the, you know, the root of the problem, which is 
the fact that there's so many laws on the books that allow police to kill people and that their training was so piss poor that allowed a situation like this to happen. There were two other people who were standing right there who didn't take the initiative to stop, you know, when that should have been stopped. Like there's so many other issues than the fact of race in that situation. Yeah, I I agree. I think, you know, I'm very big on criminal justice reform. I'm very big on drug decriminalization here in Colorado, our, our local group, we are doing a petition to try to get um, plants and fungus, natural psychedelics decriminalized across the state this, this November. Yeah. You know, so I, I'm working towards those goals. I want those policy changes to happen, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to sit here and just talk race all the time with people. It's just, yeah. it's not productive. And it feels like it's just meant to divide us and get us fighting yeah. amongst each other. Right. And I really think it is. And I like don't even think or talk about the whole woke or the the race stuff, just because, like you said, it's so divisive. And what's like the the greater conversation here? Like, what are we actually trying to get to? Because when it comes to people of our ilk, liberty minded people and people who are perhaps left-wing or right-wing authoritarians. They're kind of ideologues in a way that you are not going to make any ground with them. So mm-hmm. what is the purpose of the conversation if you're not going to shift you know, your viewpoint or the other person's viewpoint? And that's not to say you should never talk to people you disagree with, but when it comes to stuff like this, because it's such like a deeply held belief, kind of like abortion, um, the conversation just sometimes isn't even worth having because you're just not going to make any headway. Yeah, I agree. Um, but there's a difference between like an online conversation and a face-to-face conversation, right? Right. Um, and anyone who who follows me on on social, I don't really post a lot of political stuff. I do follow people because I get a lot of my news from Twitter. Yeah. But I I found that those online arguments will not get you anywhere, but just pissed off. Yeah. And but I have had some great conversations with people on a variety of issues at a barbecue with a beer in my hand. Oh, yeah. We can like explain nuance and understand the context of each other's arguments. And I've maybe changed a few minds, maybe not gotten people to join the LP necessarily, unless they were already leaning that way. But, you know, I I think we can understand each other more when we have more full conversations. And those online ones are just for like sound bites and quick attacks. And they always devolve into that. Yeah. And and that's what I can't stand. And especially Twitter. Twitter is like the best place to lose all nuance and just turn everything into a shit show immediately. Mm-hmm. And I'm not quite the firebrand on Twitter when it comes to like lighting people up or owning people. Um, in fact, I think I could honestly say there is probably nobody I ever insulted that didn't insult me first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, I, I could honestly say that I, I don't think I've ever insulted anybody on Twitter who did not insult me first. Um, but yeah, Twitter's just the the greatest place in the world to go to just get misunderstood and uh, hammer, just, just fucking take shots at each other with no consequence and zero productivity. Yeah, you know, I think we do need we do need some of those people. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think the the greatest gift of Twitter is Michael Malice. I, mm-hmm. I absolutely love his Twitter. Um, but I think we all can't be that, right. We all can't be the, the troll that, that does that. You know, if, if you're someone who's successful with it, you got a big following, you're actually like going after big accounts. I think the, the new direction of the libertarian party national Twitter page and the fact that they've been going on 
Biden's posts and like big posts and like making statements. I think that's going to help the party, but I don't think we all need to be that. Right. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And and there's a time and place for, I don't want to say shit posting, but maybe posting a little bit more edgier stuff and there's a place to be more professional and uh, you know, however people bridge that gap, I don't know how to bridge that gap always. Um, I just kind of speak the shit the way I see it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm going to feel a little bit more, um, aggressive and sometimes they're going to feel a little bit more calm. Um, as to kind of like the last few weeks, I've just kind of need to roll back a little bit. And I've honestly, I can't say I've listened to that much political stuff. Um, it's more just like health and fitness stuff, just because, like I said, I kind of need to take a mental break from the political stuff just to kind of give myself a little bit more room to think and uh, just not feel so like tense because the shit we're talking about and the shit that we're dealing with and the government is such a stressful and burdensome kind of topic to even just think about because we're up against something so tyrannical that it doesn't seem like we're going to overcome it. So sometimes you really do just need to kind of have that breathing room. Yeah. You know, I, I hear that um, you could really go down the rabbit hole. I mean, there's, there's certain content creators that I can't even stand like really big ones too, that just, Every time I watch them, I get stressed out and I start thinking, I start getting black pilled. You know, I, I try to make myself white pilled, whether I believe it or not, I have to believe that way. Otherwise I'm just going to live a miserable life. I have to believe that the good guys are going to win. I have to believe that we're, you know, things are going to turn out all right. I don't want to think about global tyranny and, you know, people going in concentration camps and the Bilderbergers. And I mean, I've gone down that rabbit hole before and it's just made me miserable. And and you start posting this stuff and nobody responds to it. And it feels like a waste of time. You know, in fact, that's, that's kind of what got us talking. You know, you had a post on Twitter that was talking about how you don't want it to always be about politics. And you were talking about fitness and other things that interested you. And that's what got me to actually reach out to you is because I aligned with that. I, you know, on my social, I don't really post a lot of political stuff. And I'm trying to, you know, bring liberty and affect people in other ways, because I don't think that we can all just scream libertarianism at the world and make people go to liberty. There's other ways that, that we can do it, too. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And that was kind of where I felt there was a void in why I started this podcast, because um, I didn't quite see as much fitness kind of material in the libertarian sphere. And not only that, um, I didn't want this to just be a libertarian show. And I think there's interesting things about so many different people and so many different aspects of life that libertarians should bring forth. And one of the things I like, and I, when I had Michael Heiss on last week, we kind of talked about this, but the cultural aspect of the Mises Caucus is so very important. And you can't have a significant movement without kind of a cultural backing. Yeah. And that's kind of what you saw with the Ron Paul movement. That's kind of what you saw with um, the Make America Great Again movement. And now we're seeing this with the uh, Mises Caucus. Um, there's a culture behind it. And that is so freaking important. So my question was when I first started this podcast, okay, well, who am I? I'm an athlete. I'm a musician. Um, I'm a mechanic. I'm a libertarian. Um, I'm plenty, I wear plenty of different hats, right? Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, the least interesting thing I want, or the least interesting thing about me is that I'm a libertarian, or at least so I hope. Um, 
I, I don't want that to be the center of my being and I don't want that to be the main focus of the show because, you know, that's just like you said, we can't expand liberty just by screaming about libertarianism. Okay, well, why don't I try to increase your individual liberty by teaching you different um, nutrition or exercise science facts that will make you more individually free and maybe I can expand people's liberty that way. Maybe that's where I fit the best. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You mentioned the fitness community. Like, you know, I know, I know you just recently had Mahjong and I mean, that dude's jacked. So he's definitely <laughs> like into, into fitness, but like, if you go into the fitness community, if you go into like the gym bros, I, I feel like everyone I know in that community leans libertarian. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I say that is if you do the hard work to put yourself in shape, you recognize how powerful individual autonomy is and how yes. powerful like controlling your own life is. I just think a lot of those folks either are not political or not like outwardly political, or maybe they're just the disenfranchised people like I used to be. Um, but I mean, you see someone like an Ian Smith. I mean, that dude did some big stuff in 2020 fighting yes. New Jersey and keeping his gym open. And now he just got screwed over by the Republican party in his primary. And I, I hear that we're trying to get him into our party. So yeah, he, he joined, he joined you know, in, he was on the show probably five months ago but yeah he's he's incredible and the th oh, i'm sorry to interrupt you but uh just to kind of go real quick on ian smith a ron paul supporter right a mm -hmm. libertarian through and through the guy who defied lockdowns the republicans threw him to the wind why would you not support him that is very anti-establishment i mean he he's he his uh he's gotten banned from socials a number of times because he he post a lot of things that the people that run those algorithms don't like to have heard. All right. Uh, but, you know, even outside, I know we talked, we both know that the, we listened to the guys over at mind pump and mm -hmm. I don't think they've ever clearly articulated their voting habits. They had but, Peter, they, they never articulated their voting habits, but they had Peter Schiff on. It's like, come on. Yeah. Well, and, and, Sorry. and one of the hosts, he constantly references Milton Friedman. I mean, mm -hmm. he hasn't gone all the way down the Mises hole, but yeah. I mean, I, I feel like there that's a community that's ripe for us to talk to. Mm -hmm. And then I also feel like um not trying to throw anyone under the bus here, but when I was in Reno at the convention, I went to the gym every morning before the convention started and I didn't see a whole lot of people there. Yeah. You know, so like, you know, if, if you are a libertarian and you believe in self-ownership and you believe that we shouldn't have government run healthcare, well, we should probably be in shape so we're not a burden on the system. Right. And healthcare costs cost, I think, a trillion dollars a year. Now, this was, I heard this years ago, so I'm sure it's much, 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 much more now, especially after uh, 2020, where the average child in America gained, I think, uh, like 20 pounds or 25% of, uh, there was like a 25% increase in obesity in children after 2020. And suicidal ideation had also mm -hmm. went up by I think like 20% amongst young teenagers in um, 2020. So you can only imagine how much more great the healthcare burden is in this country. So um, I think there is a very, very strong correlation between obesity, overall health and actual liberty. Because if you can't live to an old age and be autonomous, then how are you going to not only embody, but how are you going to spread liberty if you don't have any of that yourself, right? Because yeah. what, it, you know, what is liberty to you, right? Is it just 
being able to shit post on Twitter? Is that being able to get up and do the things you want to do? Is that being able to leave your house? It's basically, in my mind, kind of being free of government burden and being able to autonomously and responsibly, you know, move your own body as you see fit without harming others. Yeah, you know, um, I, I think I heard because I my my podcast that I had my first interview guest and it's uh, Jason Cleats. And I think you're going to have him on soon accountability yeah. nation. Yeah. So, I mean, he's a great example. He's Mises caucus. He's from Minnesota mm-hmm. and he was a very, very big dude. And he's lost a good chunk of weight and he's actually using his Twitter to just share his weight loss journey. And he'll throw some Liberty stuff in there here and there, but it's almost like you're appealing to people in different ways. And, and he's proving like, I mean, even just the, the name of his brand, right. Accountability nation, that that's pretty libertarian and it's pretty good for fitness. And I think we do have to all take accountability for the things that we do. Um, and, and you know what, your brain's going to work better if, if you're in shape, I noticed that like, I've been lifting weight most of my adult life. And I, I used to be a chubby kid in my teenage years, but like, I, if I work out consistently and I drink my water and I get good sleep and I'm eating a good diet with low processed foods, I'm, my brain's working better. I'm, I'm operating better. And so whether I'm debating someone about politics or I'm trying to like enhance my business or whatever the case is, I'm better at that versus if I'm eating junk food, getting shit sleep, drinking every night, whatever, man, I'm not much used to anybody. Yeah, and I put up a little clip on YouTube, and I, I meant for it to be clickbaity, but I said I do this for results. And uh, honestly, I don't know what the exact one thing is for results, but what I can tell you is that when I wake up at the same time every day, when I'm prepared every single day, my food's prepared. Um, I already know what I'm going to eat for the day because I already do this as it is. I pretty much lay out everything I'm going to eat for the next day, the day before. Um, when I know what I'm going to train. And when I don't miss a workout, that's when I feel the best. And that's why I notice the best progress in my physique and in my strength Mm -hmm. uh, when I'm consistent, right? So what I always find or what I try to tell people is just consistency is key. Yeah. You know, and, and it's okay to be boring. I mean, Mm -hmm. most days, at least on weekdays when I'm working and stuff, I have eggs and a protein shake for breakfast. Most Mm -hmm. days for lunch, I have chicken, rice, and broccoli. And I, I do it because I know that's healthy and I can just make it in bulk on the weekend. Mm-hmm. And then it makes my weekdays go a little bit easier. So if I don't do that, I'm probably more likely to go have an unhealthy lunch versus have a health, you know, I don't want to go have a salad because yeah. you know what they said back when I was growing up, you don't make friends with salad. So, you know, I, I would rather have like a burger if I'm going out somewhere, but if mm-hmm. I'm bringing my lunch to work or, if, you know, if I'm working here at home. I had it pre-made. There's no excuses and it, it fuels me and it, it works. Nice. Yeah. So um, I guess kind of shift in here. What was the genesis of your podcast and how has that been going for you? Good question. So I've, I've wanted to start a business for years, like it's since like 2017. And, and I was one of those people that was kind of a non-starter. I'm like wasting time. I think I tried affiliate marketing. I tried having a blog, which is like the worst idea ever. I tried all these different things and, and kind of failed and didn't do anything with it. And then last year when the vaccine mandate came down and, and my, my employer eventually ended up reversing it, but I thought I was going to be out of a job if I didn't do that. I'm like, you know what? I got to hit the ground and do this. And so 
I took my specialty. I've been working in employee training and development for 15 years. I'm like, I can do this on my own, work with small businesses that don't have their own department for this. And in order to do that, I don't want to just be like one of many businesses out there. I want to actually market myself. So I started, I opened a Twitter for the first time ever. I had never been on the platform. I, I had been on LinkedIn for years, but I'd only really used it as like a resume. And so I started getting more active on there. And in fact, that's like my platform. I have the most engagement with people on. Um, and then I started the podcast because, you know, it's not even trying to like, I don't want to be a Joe Rogan. I don't think I'll ever have as many listeners as a Dave Smith, but this allows me to talk to people so that I can, Hey, talk to people like you. I can, uh, kind of refine my message. I can meet people. I can network and maybe it will generate revenue for me. That's not really my main goal. It's more of just to like put myself out there. Right. And I've noticed for the last nine months, since I've been putting myself out there, posting on socials, starting a podcast, I have some crazy opportunities that have come my way. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really starting to pay off of just getting out there in the public sphere and just talking about things that I consider myself an expert in. Nice, nice. Well, it sounds like it's going well for you. And I know uh, starting a podcast for me was uh, something I kind of always wanted to do. And I didn't feel like I was fully together enough or really in a good place until probably about two years ago. And I kind of dilly-dallied with it. And then I felt like um, back in October when I started, I was finally in a good place to kind of hit the ground running. And uh, ever since then, uh, you know, this is episode 113, and I've gone on a couple other people's podcasts. And it's, uh, it's been a hell of an experience. Yeah, no, I, I hear that. It, it's, it's fun, and it, it's a community, right? It's like, I don't think you and I probably would have connected as much had I not had this. And I have um, someone coming on my podcast next week that is like an author that I've looked up to in this industry that I work in for like 10 years that, you know, you just reach out to people and ask and you'll get yeah. people that maybe like, it's like swing for the fences and you're going to hit a home run. You know, I know, I know your last couple of episodes. I mean, you get people like Mashure, Mark Claire, um, you know, it, and it, it just gives you an opportunity to like open the door to people that maybe you wouldn't have the opportunity to otherwise. Yeah. It's been kind of surreal for me speaking to people that, literally changed my life at one point um my best performing episode was the episode 22 with uh, dr ted Naiman, um and he literally changed the way that i look at uh, you know dieting and protein fats and carbs and then uh shortly after that i had rob goodwin on and he really changed the way that i kind of look at ketogenic diets and ketogenic nutrition sean baker was another guy rob wolf i mean it's it's incredible the people that you can kind of network with and get to talk to on a regular basis. And it's also kind of crazy that I've listened to some of these people for years and years and years. And then now I like have some of their phone numbers and we talk like, mm -hmm. it's just really cool to get a hold of some of the more clever minds in our space and to be able to be in association with them. Yeah. You know, people appreciate the initiative and, and, you know, some stats for anyone who doesn't like, I guess, do a podcast. You don't know the bet behind the scenes. I don't know if you know this, if you get to episode 20, you're now in the top 1% of all podcasts of all time. So most people that start them will fail after a little bit, because it is a good amount of work to get everything set up and schedule it. And, and a lot of us that are either just starting off or you're newer, it's not like an income for you. If you're making money, it's not a lot. And so you're doing it out of passion. And I think people see that and, you know, it, it makes people more open to you because not everyone is going to go 
put themselves out there. Most people are consumers. Most people just go on social media to, to consume. Most people just listen to podcasts to listen. And for those people that do want to take that chance and go out there and, and produce something, I think people appreciate that. Yeah. And you know, just as well as I do, that it is a lot of hard work to uh, kind of hammer out the schedule and stuff like that. And um, you know, I was doing three to four episodes a week there for a little bit. Now I've kind of winded down a little bit over the last couple of weeks, just because I realized I was kind of burning the candle at both ends between dieting, um, you know, getting stuff prepared for the wedding, doing three podcast episodes a week, um, you know, rolling with the band, doing lots of shows. So uh, I was just, like I said, burning the candle at both ends. So now I'm kind of grateful to have that rolled back. But yeah, um, this whole podcasting sphere is just, such a uh, interesting thing and it's just like I said it's really cool to be able to talk to people of like mind and kind of hear their thoughts about different subjects and plus the cool thing for me is to be able to get some of the health people and ask them questions that I haven't heard other people ask them and to hear their thoughts on subjects that might be a little bit more taboo but you'd be surprised how much more in our direction that they are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, th- that is a cool chance because you get this one-on-one interview. Mm-hmm. And if you can get someone that you respect, that you've looked up to for a long time, um, man, you you probably wouldn't have gotten that interview just reaching out to them saying, hey, can I get on a phone call with you for 30 mm-hmm. minutes or an hour? Because they know the podcast could be marketing for them because they're getting out there and reaching new people. So th- that's awesome. Um, w- which one did you say was your favorite? It was the, the ketogenic one? Um, no, there were a couple guys that I just had on that really, my best performing one was, was the one with that Ted name and, mm-hmm. and, uh, that was pretty early on and I haven't had an episode outperform that one, but, uh, that was a really, really cool one just because, like I said, he changed the way that I look at nutrition. Um, he explained insulin resistance in a way that's just very, very simple and easy to understand. So, uh, uh it was, it was cool to get the opportunity to talk to him. And like I said, some other people that I just been listening to for a very, very long time that just shaped the way that I look at things now. And, uh, hopefully I get to kind of get those kind of guests on. Um, have you had guests like that on that, um, you'd kind of been pining to talk to for a while. And then, uh, you know, finally kind of swung it for a, a home run. You know, so far, no, but I have some scheduled. So I, I'm, nice. I'm only in my twenties with episodes and I've just had the one guest on so far, but I have some people that are lined up in the next couple of weeks. I'm not going to name names just yet, but people that, that I look up to not necessarily in the fitness sphere and the Liberty sphere, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's amazing how you can get people that I would have never thought these people would say yes. Yeah. Um, like people that are on national podcasts and, and much bigger than I am that yeah. just, it, they, they want to get out there. So if you ask me that same question in like three months, I'll, I'll say yes. But right now, you know, I'm just getting started with the interviews. I've been doing solo episodes for the most part. Yeah. I listened to a, uh, I was listening to a little bit of your podcast this morning and, uh, you speak very, very well about the topics that you're engaging with. And I, I was listening to the episode where you were talking about, kind of how to deal with the coming recession. And I think that's actually very, very important as a a son of a business owner, right? Mm -hmm. My dad, my grandfather, and his dad had all owned shops throughout, um, you know, the last hundred years. So um, when it comes to implementing technologies or kind of explaining how to deal with upcoming serious issues for people, I mean, that's hugely important. Yeah. You know, and one of the reasons I'm trying to change it up is a solo podcast is tough. I think not a lot of people do those well. Um, just hearing one voice for 30 minutes or 45 minutes 
And so I'm, I'm looking to change it up, but you know, I'm taking that experience that I have from the 15 years doing what I'm doing and trying to package it in ways and maybe throw some Liberty topics like the challenges with the economy, or I did an episode on COVID, but not really address it from a political standpoint, more just address it with, Hey, this thing is happening. Here's how you, if you work for a small business or you are in, um, you know, the space that I was in is training or learning and development L and D as they call it. Um, most of the other podcasts in this space, and I wouldn't suggest anybody listen to them. They're incredibly boring. They are some person who's a director of L and D at this company talking to this person in this company, and they're just talking theory and, and like, I can't even listen to them. And so I'm trying to provide that different perspective for people that are interested in those things to, um, may, maybe be a little bit more realistic and less dogmatic, um, less academic about it, so to speak, like a lot of these folks are. Um, and, and, and it's great. It's fulfilling, but I have to realize that not everyone wants to listen to a solo podcast. So that's yeah. either down to, do I need a co-host or do I need to just do more interviews? And, and that's part of the learning process is experimenting with this and trying new things to see what, what people want to listen to and what people, um, benefit from. Yeah. Um, for me, the solo shows are a ton of work just because when I'm doing a solo show, it's never just my thoughts. I mean, we're going to do deep dives and I'm going to read study after study after study after study to give you the tools to make your life better or to put out the information about a specific topic. I mean, I've done mm -hmm. shows on green energy, um, protein metabolism, uh, ketogenic diets, um, I did one on COVID mandates, COVID and obesity. I, I've done a ton of solo shows, but it's a freaking drag for me. And I understand it's probably boring as hell to listen to, but I mean, the objective of the show is to arm you with as much knowledge as possible. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's kind of the way you have to be when you're doing solo shows. Yeah, I agree. It, it takes me a while. I, I don't necessarily like script out everything I'm going to say, but I, I definitely have to do that research, get, get the resources, kind of plan some general topics. I mean, it'll take a couple hours to prep for a 30 minute to an hour show versus an interview. You, if you're familiar with the guests already, man, that's easy. If you're not yeah. familiar, maybe review a little bit of their content, like you said you did. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's certainly challenging. Uh, but the way I see it is, it's not for everyone necessarily. Mm -hmm. Like it's, you see the the name of the episode, you read the show description, you're like, Hey, I have, I need help with this problem. I'm going to listen to this. And so like my, my episodes, you'll see some that have a lot more downloads than others, because maybe that topic just resonated with more people. Um, one of the cool things that I've noticed, and I don't know if you've experienced this, but like the podcast analytics kind of tell you a little bit about who's listening. And I, I just love seeing people from different parts of the world. Like yeah. I don't know anybody in Ecuador. How did someone in Ecuador listen to this? Oh, I got two people from Australia this week. Like, so it's just crazy how, how global it can be. And, um, you know, random people will message me and it's just amazing how, how it kind of trickles like that. Um, and so I, I think it's providing value, but I, I want to try different ways to do that as well. Instead of just me talking to a mic for 30 plus minutes. Right. And that was kind of my goal as well, especially when I do solo shows. If I'm going to argue with the information, I want you to be better off than, you know, after you listen to the podcast you were before. Um, Adam, is there anything else you want to hit on before we uh, kind of rock and roll out of here? No, I, I think I gave you my socials for your, for your show notes. Um, if anyone wants to connect on there, I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, my podcast info, it's called Apex Mind. And if you're someone who's interested in training and learning and developing your people at work, that's a good podcast for you, but don't expect much political talk there. <laughs> nice. Well, uh, I'll ask you uh, the two questions I ask every single guest. What does liberty look like to you?
being able to do what we want with who we want, when we want. Perfect. What does health look like to you? I guess I'll be technical about it. Having good biomarkers, you know, getting good sleep, managing my alcohol, eating lots of protein, not being too fat. <laughs> well, that's good enough for me, man. All right. Well, this is a lot of fun. And um, if you have anything that you want to plug right now um, or anything cool going on in the future, let everybody know and uh, we'll close her out. Yeah. Um, so LP Colorado, if you're in Colorado, come check us out. Um, we're doing lots of cool things in the community, trying to change things. And uh, we've got a big barbecue this weekend too. Oh, so, so we do fun, we do fun stuff too. It's not yeah. just Liberty stuff. Um, and then you can, you can find me on social apex mind, Adam on Twitter, uh, Adam McDaniel on LinkedIn. And my podcast is a apex mind. Cool. All right, Adam. Well, thanks for coming on. And I'm glad uh, you could uh, come on uh, kind of educate everybody about business stuff. And, uh, you know, we'll uh, definitely do it again, man. Thanks, Kyle. Appreciate it. Of course. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.